welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. And to our recap of Community, Season 5, Episode 8, which is called uh, App uh, App Development and Condiments. Okay. Uh, my name is Mark Lee. I am the host for this evening, and I'm joined by Matthew Rather. Hey, Matt. Hi there. Matt, are, are you uh, a five? Are you a five? Because uh, I am, and actually, I'm going to use my gonna, inordinate yeah. voting power and uh, one meow meow beans for you. <laughs> <laughs> and the power of the social order rains down upon you. How does it feel, Matt, to be a one meow meow bean? Uh, remarkably liberating. <laughs> funny how that works. Hey, you yeah. got mustard on your face. It's funny how that makes everything you say a little more interesting. Yeah. Um, we're, we're definitely going to come back to the mustard on the face. I'm really curious to know if you have a, a theory about that. But I think we're most going to talk about um, the fragility of the social order. We're going to talk about uh, app ratings. We're going to talk about quantification in general. Lots of things to talk about in this very interesting episode. I think um, community has been really hitting it on all cylinders in season five and continues to do so in this one. Dan Harmon packs a lot into that ravioli dan Harmon is in the ravioli and around it as well yeah okay so just really quickly here's what happened in the episode right i hope to god you've seen this if you watch these recaps without having seen community please let us know and let us know what that experience is like it's probably very alienating and confounding okay this is what happens in the episode um shirley gets snubbed from the dinner invitation um the two stereotypical silicon valley app uh, startup folks introduce the meow meow beans app um Shirley rises to power with the social power of the social rankings of the app. Um, Jeff tries to take it down from the inside by rising uh, up the ranks from a one to a five star, while Britta tries to take it down from the outside. And it seems like she actually succeeds. Um, and Abed along the, the way is sort of caught up in the flow and other characters also just sort of caught along with the madness. Um, and then finally, Jeff brings it all crashing down by deleting the app. Let me do that again. <laughs> deleting the app. Right. So, um, and plenty of things happen in between all that, which we'll probably uh, get to in a second. But let's start with this first question. What exactly is the target of the satire? Or what are the targets of the satire in this episode? I'll maybe throw some possibilities out there, and I want to hear, Matt, what you might uh, think, think about them. Um, the concept of social networks in general, particularly Facebook, and that's sort of the weird currency of uh, being friends with people and then likes. There's that. Um, there is um, the culture of app reviews, the five-star app reviews, Yelp reviews, movie reviews, things that are rated on a five-star basis. You can expand that out to the idea of reviews in general, um, quantification of um, probably unquantifiable things in general. Um, lots of stuff could be the target of satire in this. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. I think it's all <laughs> it's all a... Um... It's all uh, uh, mixed up in there a little bit. I mean, I've talked about Facebook. I, I just detest Facebook and use it like everybody else uses it and, you know, hate myself every time but can't go away like a little rat. Do you, you, do know, you hate yourself the... when you do it, Matt, or do you log on and you do feel superior because you're not one of those people? No, I definitely, I definitely am one of those people. I'm liking, I'm liking things left and right. I mean, I, I post infrequently on Facebook, but I look at Facebook like a, uh, you know, Facebook has that, that thing that the behavioral psychology people, 
uh, uh, say is the way to drive a rat crazy, which is like intermittent reward. Yeah. <laughs> intermittent, re- intermittent reward and punishment at random intervals, right? Like that's the way to, to just drive a rat bonkers, um, turn it into a, like a mentally ill rat is uh, some, sometimes you give it the cocaine pellet and sometimes you give it a shock. Uh, and Facebook is like that a lot for me. You and I have cocaine I, pellets when you log into Facebook sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have oh, a different I have a different pills? Facebook than most people, which is more cocaine centered. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, the, the I, I mean, and I've talked a lot. And we don't necessarily need to rehearse all of my objections here uh, about success theater and about the sort of vacuous. uh um you know, t- t- terrible, uh, inhumane, um, icy black, yeah, manip- manipulative, icy black heart at the center of like so-called personal branding and, uh, uh, the becoming this, uh, becoming the public relations department for an existential version of yourself that doesn't actually exist um in the reprehensible success uh success theater of facebook and i mean i think that it you know everything um any sort of social organization right rewards certain kinds of certain kinds of behavior and because the the social gestures on facebook are so superficial and cost so little right it it rewards a kind of behavior, like clicking, you know, clicking like, right? Like, uh, you know, don't, don't uh, I saw a great, I saw a great meme the other day, Mark, about how, from like a charity about like, don't click like on this picture, give money to the charity. We need that. We don't need likes, right? Nice. We don't need like, you know, the food bank, uh, the food bank needs donations. It doesn't need you to like, like the social the social mission. And so, you know, this, this sort of vacuous way of, of appearing, appearing to do something without making any kind of sacrifice rewards a kind of social performance that involves um, making it easy for people to do that mm-hmm. thing. You know what yeah. I mean? And so like the, the flip side of that is like, it's gotten this whole economy of likes has gotten to the point where I've heard stories of people where uh, a relative or an in-law was upset because of a lack of a like. Like, I posted something, a picture, uh, and such and such did not like that, and I am offended because of that. One meow meow beans. One meow meow beans. (laughs) That's um, a thing. That's a real thing, and it's kind of sad, right? Oh, yeah, and I mean, you know, you hear in, in, in think pieces about these kids today and their social medias, um, you know, stories about like, oh, high school people, high school kids who are, you know, uh, ostracized because their posts don't get as many likes or it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Or, you know, that they are ostracized because their posts don't get any likes because they are ostracized and their posts don't get any uh <laughs> Their posts don't get any likes, and right, like the sort of the sort of vacuous. I'm just going to say the word vacuous over and over on this podcast. The sort of vacuous, superficial um, niceness that Shirley represents at her worst, right, is um, 
uh, is what succeeds in that environment. And so it's, you know, it's sort of, it, it, it's a question of the, it's a question of the social contract, right? Like in what, um, what, uh, uh, the, the way we ag- agree to behave and treat one another, right? I, yeah. I, I want to I quote, sorry, I'll, I'll toss back to you in just a second, but I want to quote, um, in, because Ryan Sheely can't be here tonight. I want to quote from, um, his favorite book, which is Jane Jacobs, The Death and Life of Great American Cities, uh, a book from 1961. And she was a, uh, she was a writer and a theorist of urban um, uh, development and sort of urban process, I suppose. And, um, and uh, a bit of a quotation from, from this book. Uh, the first thing to understand, she writes, is that the public peace the sidewalk and street piece of cities is not kept primarily by the police, necessary as police are. It's kept primarily by an intricate, almost unconscious network of voluntary controls and standards among the people themselves and enforced by the people themselves. And one of the, uh, uh, end quote, and I, I think one of the interesting things about this episode is that it's a thought experiment, right? Like it's a, it's a lab as much as it's a parody of Facebook and a parody of, of reviewing culture. And actually we should talk about reviewing, reviewing culture, like one star worst episode ever. Um, I, it's also a lab um, in which it's like, well, let's turn the dial a little bit or a lot on on that that intricate, unspoken uh, social contract um, that sort of keeps the peace among people uh, in community with one another, and you know, push it to a ridiculous extreme, but like see see what some of the of the results can be. Yeah. Okay. So let's put a pin on this idea about the social order. And the, rewriting the social contract, right? Let's come back to that. Let's, since we've been talking about um, uh, social media and the, the currency of likes, let's uh, continue on that and talk about the currency of reviews, which is a related thing to the currency of likes, but um, slightly different in this psychology. Is sort of you have this finite uh, scale, right, of you know one to five that you can uh, that you can traverse. Um, and I think it's pretty telling that the episode chose to use that one to five scale as opposed to sort of a, uh, you know, zero to infinity scale that the likes operate on. Right. And so earlier I mentioned targets of satire for that are um, smartphone app reviews. Right. For you know your smartphone choice, Android or iOS, um, Yelp, uh, movie reviews, TV reviews, worst episode ever. Right. Um I don't think this is, you know, we talk about Dan Harmon being in the ravioli. I don't think he's in the ravioli so much in this is like, you know, he is beset by a lot of like one star reviews of his show or anything like that. But uh, he is clearly critiquing uh, that uh, this review culture. Right. Yeah, sure. And I mean, I don't know. He's taken to his Tumblr to talk about like. Uh, to talk about his reaction to people who um, post negative things, especially people uh, who who sort of criticize him for being a bad person on the basis of <laughs> of his show, and you know, so it's it's clear that it it I mean some of the some of the culture and the sort of vitriol that characterizes or that can characterize the worst of of 
you know, free for all internet commenting, right? Like sure. filters, filters up to him in his ivory Dan tower and uh, his Harmon tower. And uh, just a quick him. note, are, are, you're saying that we have to, you have to read the Dan Harmon Tumblr as well as watch community to really understand community. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Or maybe, maybe really in order to understand Dan Harmon. I mean, he's a funny guy. He posts funny, he posts funny things and he actually writes long things. It's not a bunch of like reblogs of, of pictures and like curation of identity by associating yourself with, you know, certain images. Uh, and made gifts. Yeah, it's a little yeah. more, uh, well, I say GIF. I've been saying it before it was cool, before it was not cool, before it was cool the first time since 1989 when I had an account on CompuServe. Boom, 71311,1721. So, uh, you know, he's actually sort of generative on Tumblr. He, he like, actually makes, makes new things, which is nice. You need a few of those for the rest of us to reblog all the time. Right. Um, but, the, the, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, uh, I have friends who work in, in restaurants, and they are here in L.A., they're sort of terrified of, of Yelp reviews, right? And I also right. know people who have given crappy Yelp reviews uh, to places after having uh, had a bad experience. And it's this like, I don't know. I think I think it's crap, right? Like I think a one star Yelp review is is probably terrible. A five star Yelp review is also probably terrible, just in terms of of the quality of the information. I think that that uh, in in essence, like a lot of three star reviews, and I'm stealing this idea from Merlin Mann and app reviews, but I think a lot of three star reviews are probably the most useful because they're they're the most likely to say, well, there here are the good points and here are the bad points. Right. Rather than yeah. like. So here's something that um, there, a, a problem that I'm thinking about in the five star review systems, whether it's for restaurants or apps or anything else, is that typically you don't have a good uh, framework for understanding what the different stars mean. Right. Um, I think even if a website or a system gives you some sense of a definition for what those stars ought to represent, that they quickly just go to the wayside and then uh, sort of the, each person makes, defines one, two, three, or four or five stars on their own, right? Like uh, for me, like giving something a one-star review, um, it, it, I, I, I'm having trouble imagining how terrible of an experience I'd have to have at a restaurant to give something one star, right? I mean, like, uh, like uh, I would have to be sort of, I don't know, physically harmed by the staff or something like that. You'd have to be star. a petty, small, little homunculus of a person, you know, deep inside your icy black heart. And, uh, and really, you know, well, I don't know. I suppose I should be sympathetic. You're probably like, you know, had something terrible happen to you, right? Your 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 girlfriend left you or your dog died or something. And it's a way of like, you know, visiting that displeasure on <laughs> on another helpless person as it was visited on uh onto you. Um yeah it's it's uh it's terrible. And you know, really people only only are driven to like Yelp by extremes of, of experience, you know, like, you know, five star, the French laundry, best restaurant ever, or like one star, the French laundry, uh, my, you know, ta the taco stand by my house is better than this. Who does this Thomas Keller guy think he is? Um, you know, per se got a C from the health department. 
uh, right, and like, and sort of take take it down a peg. And 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 it's it's these sort of extreme experiences and sort of extreme feelings, these sort of like moments of reaction. Uh, immediate reaction and sort of immediate emotional response that sort of make uh, that that make these reviews sort of useless. I, I sometimes think that like a lot of things like email, for example, um, especially when you're mad, your computer should should always be able to sense where you're when you're mad, and any communication you generate when you're angry should come with like a, a 20 minute timer. You know, that like pings you yeah, back I mean, after 20 minutes. That was the idea like, of the old Eudora Chili Peppers, right? I mean, it didn't so much sense tone as it did just count curse words in your emails. But it was a uh, that proxy was probably better than nothing at all, right? Yeah. I don't know. It really, it really ought to be um, a passive aggressive tone. Um, wasn't uh, there, a, wasn't there a Gmail add-on at one point that was like a Gmail Labs experiment that was like... Uh, uh, Gmail goggles, and you had to do a math problem in five seconds, yeah. so that you wouldn't, so that you wouldn't drunk email. Or yeah, something. I think it was set at the at, at at certain times of the evening. Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah. That's that's um, very smart. Yeah, but just to wrap up this idea about the uh, about review culture, um, to, to bring it back to the community episode and, and meow meow beans. Um, God, I, I, I say that word, it comes out of my mouth. It sounds ridiculous, but I have to say it. Um, so just in a nutshell, right? Like these, just the act of giving reviews on this one to five scale, it's uh, petty, it's uh, incredibly reductive, it's thoughtless, it's all these things, right? And um, in this context, it's um, it's used as a weapon, as a means of social control. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Like once you, once you realize, you know, uh, once you have social media marketers, you know, who can uh, um, capitalize on on the system suddenly. Yeah, it is all of a sudden a means of a means of social control. It also I mean, like Abed's connection to it and the way like he's he's just pleased as punch because he can quantify certain things and and sort of quantify um uh, outcomes in human interactions. And so, you know, game game that system. Um, it, that's a uh, and and then is sort of so dissatisfied when when he makes it to a five. I mean, is is one of the I think is an indictment of it. Like if I, you know, if Abed likes a social interaction, it's probably there's probably something wrong with it. But <laughs> that. Uh, I'm saying that's how he's written. You know. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. That, okay. Uh, so. So yeah. speaking of social orders, right, let's talk about that. So um, this is not the first time that the social order of Greendale Community College has collapsed, right? Um, things run horribly amok in the paintball games. Where people are driven to um, extremes by motivation to win the paintball or the, or the hot lava episode, right? People are driven to extremes to win. Uh, what was the trivial prize that Abed was offering? To win hot lava? No, it was uh, $10,000 or something, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So not not quite so trivial, but sure. I mean, it was. Uh, it, it was an immortality, know. right? Yeah. Um, so this is not the first time that the social order in, in Greendale has collapsed. There's been these those and probably other episodes. I'm forgetting that um, has you know used this as an opportunity to uh, do genre parody and also make social commentary. Um, but in this particular instance, um, what um, you know what are we saying about the social order here? We said that. 
um, it, well, it's it's um, it's people using um, these sort of arbitrary mean, uh, arbitrary methods, arbitrary ratings to uh, declare their superiority over others, right, and to oppress them. Um, the thing that most immediately comes to mind is the Stanford Prison Experiment. Matt, are you familiar with that? Yep. Right. So those who, who haven't heard about this, um, in a very brief nutshell, and I'm no uh, psychology expert, so excuse me if I'm getting any of these details wrong, the idea is that uh, people were arbitrarily so- assigned roles as prisoners or guards. Right. And so the, the idea is you start everybody off in this level plane. These are just regular people, um, by no means sociopaths or anything like that. Um, you give them this justification or this framework to oppress people, and they absolutely take advantage of it. Um, the results of the Stanford prison experiment were, I think, so horrifying, uh, right, where the guards were abusing the prisoners. I think the, the experiment probably had to be stopped, but certainly, like, no, uh, what do you call it, institutional review board would ever approve anything like that ever again. Today, yeah, today, that and the Milgram experiment are why they're human subjects committees now. Yeah. So um, community, once again, sort of tears, uh, it, it tears itself apart to, to show something about, um, about our society, right? And is it, is it suggesting that our so- social order is fragile in this way, that, um, uh, that you know, we can turn on each other so quickly, and also that that new oppressive system can be torn down by a, another social order that happens to have a mustard stain on it? Is that something that the show is saying? That well, I think, it, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is something about about the fragility um, and and constructedness of the social order, right? Like it can change, and it's easier to change than you might think. And the 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 uh, the change will probably be a mixed blessing because in community everything is a mixed blessing, right? There's always a trade off. You always pay a price. Um, for what for whatever you get uh, in the quest, and so um, yeah, and uh, but I think also community is kind of going a step farther and and sticking up for uh, mustard on the face, right? Like sticking up for uh, explain imp- that. <laughs> like, well, I, like, I, what I does th- the mustard on the face signify? I think it's the opposite of um, I think it's the opposite of success theater, right? If you think of sort of if you think of sort of Facebook and the kind of the live action Facebook that Meow Meow Beans turns Greendale into with people just sort of superficially liking each other, like, you know, hey, you know, shout out, mm-hmm, you know, like um, the uh, in that kind of like sing songy tone that like uh, Shirley and Annie and these uh, the other right. minions. And as the pitch of their voice increases, their sincerity uh, decreases. Decreases, They're right, inversely yeah. related. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, that, that's, um, that it, like, I think represents a kind of success theater and it represents a, a, a sort of uh, relationship that is sort of a perfect um, exterior and kind of no no substance or no real humanity or imperfection and and if you have mustard on your face and I mean it's this is if it's a reference to something I don't know what I don't know what it is so I'm I'm just kind of reading its manifest content um, if you have mustard on my face your face on my face your face if you have mustard on my face then we have a problem uh, but if if one has mustard on one's face um, you're, you know, it's imperfect. It's charming. It's human. It's, um, 
a little more, it's a little dirtier and a little more interesting uh, and uh, a little more messy, I should say, probably, probably not dirty with all the connotations of that word, but like messy, you know, Uh, Mm. and that that sort of, that that sort of human element makes everything more interesting, right? Yeah, and it doesn't, um, but her, the mustard on her face and sort of her uh, humanity, her, um, her realness, her lack of pretension, right? That does not um, excuse her from, or does not make her immune from the uh, the disease of power that is rampant throughout this, that is uh, endemic to Greendale in this episode, right? Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, she does it at the end to uh, because oh well, I've heard that's charming, so I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm going to to do it. I mean, I, I guess it's this study. I guess the episode is a study in, um, sort of what you expect in return from an interaction. You know what I mean? Explain that a little bit and, and how that relates to Britta's rise to, well, that is to say, power. If you do if you do something. Um, in order to, if you do something in order to get something back, like I'll like you, but you have to like me. I'll five you, but you have to, you know, five, uh, five me, right? Like, um, it becomes transactional, right? It becomes, it becomes quantitative. And if you do something like, okay, I'm going to put on the mustard because people, uh, because of the, the, um, you know, uh, the consequence, uh, because it's instrumentally good. Um, if you sort of do social interactions for their, uh, instrumental benefits instead of for their intrinsic benefits, because you think the result for you will be good, uh, rather than because you like the interaction in itself. Right. I think that this, this episode is sort of raising the question of, of, uh, of whether that's really a great way to relate to your your fellow Greendale human beings. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think you're really hitting the nail on the head or putting the mustard on the face, as, as the saying goes. Five meow meow beans for that, Matt. <laughs> um, so the one last thing that I want to talk about, um, and I think we'll probably wrap this up, is um, the genre exercise that we see here, right? Community yeah. has done a lot of these and this one in particular is taking on i would say the what the sci-fi dystopia right um the most obvious obvious reference being logan's run which we're talking about earlier matt neither matt nor i have seen it recently but we both skimmed the wikipedia article which makes us experts to talk about it um actually probably not so much but i don't know if we have time to go into logan's run in depth but i will say that um i I felt there was a little bit of like hunger games and the divergent series which um i'm told is very much about sort of like a a dystopian future where lives are very structured not so much quite like in you know the one two three four five level but sort of in 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 a caste system of sorts um so uh and and the hunk going back to hunger games in, in a second i think something was going on there was that um there was a bit of a going back and a redo of a uh, sci-fi dystopia type of thing. If you recall in, in season four, there was a very brief Hunger Games bit that wasn't totally committed to. I think sort of like the maybe the first half of, of one episode had a Hunger Games thing going on, and it sort of collapsed uh, quickly after that. Were you picking up on any of that, Matt? Um, 
did did I pick up on the the Hunger Games thing last year or the the genre thing here? I mean, it was clear it was clear that a genre thing was going on, and I think just because of the production design and the white and the robes and the sort of plastic bucket chairs, right? Like uh, that it's Logan's Run that's being that's being referenced. Do a Google image search for Logan's Run if you want to sort of see some of the some like visual reference for the. The production design of this episode and it was good because i mean they they did it pretty cheaply they're really doing a lot with a little um yeah, you know absolutely. with some some bed sheets and fluorescent lights right like it, yeah. it you know what well, not fluorescent lights are the wrong color temperature but never mind um the uh right the, the, these are fluorescent <laughs> lines by the way and give me this terrible green power <laughs> uh the the though you you have a nice even uh lighting Mark, yeah, it it's um, it's a combination daylight. of LED and um, halogen. Oh, yeah. daylight ba- daylight balanced. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's good for you. Um, yeah, can you give, give me some uh, five meow meow beans? For my yeah, yeah, five meow meow beans for your for your video lighting. Thanks, Matt. Um, but unfortunately, yours is like at two. Yeah. Well, so that the the video production value is a three and a half when you average it out, and I'll I'll take that. <laughs> um, you know, I was sort of thinking. I was thinking about sci-fi dystopias while you were talking, and and uh, one of the the ways in which they're used as social criticism, or or they become a venue, they become an occasion for social criticism, is like the claim of of some uh, you know dystopian future scenarios is if current trends continue unchecked, this is this is what will happen. Right, um, right. Whether it's with like. Uh, corporate control or economic inequality and stratification and technology artificial intelligence terminator <clears throat> right yeah or her right um uh, all all these uh all these things i i also wonder though i've been humping this piano key pretty hard on the tft podcast right and that one of the one of the kind of tenets of of um, psychoanalytic theory and psychoanalytic uh, literary and cultural criticism is that fears can sometimes be sort of wishes. That is to say, something you fear can kind of be simultaneously feared and sort of longed for, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, in, in in interesting ways, and and I sort of wonder if. Uh, if some of these things don't sometimes reflect, but in, in kind of a funhouse mirror sort of way, cultural wishes, right? Like that is to say, all these dystopias involve um, dystopia. No, it's a, it's not a. Uh, it's Greek, it's, right? Yeah, it's a Greek word, so it would be like. Um, uh, uh, well, I guess dystopia is plural, right? Wouldn't it be like dystopion or something like that? Be the singular? I don't know. Someone, someone, a scholar of ancient Greek, well, actually, us in the uh, in the comments, I would be very uh, interested to know um, about that Greek word. So the the idea, I mean, of these dystopias being so structured, so regimented, I think there almost might. Um, might be kind of a wish encoded in that that our you know sort of collapsing social safety net or our uh 
you know, co uh, collapsing assumptions about the stability of our careers and, you know, working for the same company and retiring with a pension and things like this. Um, if, if perversely there might be some kind of wish about being taken care of encoded at some level in these, these social dystopias. Um, and the removal of agency as well. Yeah, sure, right. Like, because the, the the great thing about having no agency is that you you don't have the burden of choice, right? That sort of uh, existential. You're freed from that existentially nauseating kind of vertigo of of coming into uh, coming to awareness of of the fact that you know nothing means anything except what you decide, and you are. Uh, absolutely free and that that freedom is is terrifying right and like um you know and you're like the uh you're like the hero of sarts nausea like stabbing yourself in the in the hand and watching the blood trickle down with the with the letter opener and feeling like alienated from your own feeling alienated from your own experience um right like uh, it's, it's when you put it that way yeah it's horrific and i just want you know <laughs> you want to be content being a two you freedom know, is gray. Yeah, freedom out. is freedom is terrifying, right? Like, yeah. And there, there's also a great thing about sort of the lie of social systems in in this episode. I didn't think I'd have a lot to say, but now I feel like we should go on forever. Mark, you should shut me up before I, you know, before I uh, uh, write a master's thesis. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, just a, one last. I mean, like, I love this idea of fears um, being wishes in some perverse way right you know, like my go-to uh dystopia dystopian future of the terminator franchise is a perfect example of this right on one hand it is fear of a uh technology run amok right but on the other hand it is absolutely a celebration of technology and the power of it right because terminators are awesome right on a number right on a <laughs> sorry I, I pulled the camera away by talking when you were doing that it's a visual medium guys on the video mark was uh mark was doing something visually exciting um the uh yeah i mean and it's awesome on a number of levels right like the fact that the the like t2 especially was so technologically pathbreaking for filmmaking right was you know was a technology is awesome um technology is awesome sort of moment and you know technology is also awesome on film because it looks uh it looks so good right the machines are so dynamic they're so powerful they're so visually compelling and they're sort of um powerful kinetic uh glory is so compelling um is so compelling to watch yeah, so in, in the same way that sort of, you know, social order, um, order can be compelling to watch. And there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a certain appeal, a certain beauty to that, right? Yeah, so absolutely. That, you know, that being the, uh, the, 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 the social construct that um, has been created with Meow Meow Beans. Um, so uh, I think we're at time. We cover a lot of territory on the episode, as usual, because community is so freaking awesome. Because mm. it has so many, it's packed with so many ideas. Um, I think uh, we'll be back next week, right? We will. Episode. Yeah. Let me let me beg. I, I think we have another. I think we have another episode next week. We can double check. Um, I also I want to beg for a uh, for a five star rating. 
If you're watching this on Overthinking It or listening to it, streaming it live on Overthinking It, you know, I recently implemented some analytics to figure out like uh, how many streaming minutes of our podcasts and whatnot are streamed on Overthinking It. Um, the answer is a lot, a lot, a lot uh, of people actually listen on the site um, in a web browser. And that's cool. Uh, did you know you also can get it through any podcatcher you like or iTunes, because that's the, the most common one. Um, why don't you subscribe to this, uh, uh, to the feed of these TV recaps or any of our podcasts and overthinking it. Uh, you'll find in every episode, a link to the iTunes page and a link to the RSS feed. For those of you who use a different podcatcher, you can copy that RSS feed link into your podcast client and, and get it that way. And if you do use iTunes, hey, why not uh, click through to the iTunes page for this, uh, for this um, TV recaps podcast and leave us a rating. And if it was five stars, so much the better. Uh, you can write a review if you want, uh, that's wonderful as well to, and you know, we read those and keep tabs on them, but, uh, a, a rating alone, uh, which is just like liking something on Facebook, it's very low cost and easy to do <laughs> will, um, will help us move up in their algorithm. And if you've done yeah. it before, you can do it again, because like recency of these things, I think factors into the, uh, factors into the computation as well. Yeah. So let me put it this way. Hey listeners, how you doing? I'm giving you five uh, yum yum beans here. Great yeah, you look this. you look great five today. Oh, You're looking thanks. really nice. Thanks. Five meow meow beans. Oh. Five meow meow beans. So listeners, it'd be great if you could visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to level scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. One star.